and gentlemen, welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast with your host, Isabel Ross. As a personal trainer, accredited endurance coach, and now podcast host, Isabel is bringing you the best advice, tips, and tricks for health and athletics. Two Australian trail championships, a 24-hour track race, six-foot track marathon, and has represented Australia three times at the long-distance mountain running world championships. I mean, I guess you could say ain't no valley high or mountain low that she can't run, right? I mean, it's the other way around. Anyways, let's just say she knows a thing or two about running. Did I mention that Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons? So, yeah, she knows her stuff. You'll be sure to get all your questions answered and maybe even a runner's high just by listening to the advice and good vibes of the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Episode 139 is Answers to Your Training Questions. I posted on Facebook asking for your questions for a second coaching Q&A episode and these are the answers to those questions. Ron helps me out again on this one, making for a fun and interesting chat too. Unfortunately, we didn't get to all the questions, but we'll get to the rest next time. I hope you get a lot from this episode and don't forget to add your questions next time I post or just email me and I'll add them to another one of these special podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, would you be able to do me a huge favour and subscribe and write a review? I really appreciate your support as it really gets the podcast out there. The link is in the show notes. Do you want to know all about ultra running and racing and all the tips and tricks to have your best race possible? I am finishing off creating a course that will give you all the info you need. Go to the Peak Endurance Coaching website and find the page to register your interest and I'll let you know when the course is ready to go. And if you register your interest now, you'll get 15% off the price when it goes live. Enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Tom here, back with some more thoughts. And today I want to delve back into kind of what I've been learning past couple months is learning how to run easy um, to kind of prevent injuries and to build a base um, to work on for you know to use um, you know base level fitness for the ultras and things like that and the importance of your easy you know easy runs that are a bit longer or even easy runs that are shorter and I kind of want to delve into that a bit today and touch a bit more into it and um, what's kind of made me reflect on that is a recent run I did uh, the roller coaster run where I actually decided that I was going to do it quite hard and step out of that easy pace which I've been doing for so long and um, yeah have a crack at doing something hard again and as important as all these easy runs is it's it's always a balance and it's you can't I think I've been delving a bit too much on the easy comfortable side and um, which is great and it's kept me you know I'm still in good condition and doing well and everything but you can still lose on a lot of um, potential and you can become lazy and comfortable in doing that and it's an easy trap to fall into because it's so enjoyable but the recent roller coaster run has kind of reminded me that no there is times you can go hide and let go it's not always take it easy all the time you know find that grunt in you inside and to to really push even you know it was a 46k race so it was quite a far distance obviously you got to know where you're at and your fitness levels and how hard is hard but you know, I went as hard as I probably nearly could, um, and 
I feel like you've got to sometimes to really get the growth, um, the growth for your fitness and your growth for your running. You know, otherwise you just get stuck in that comfortable place. And yeah, you'll stay fit and do well, but you're not going to you're not going to get to that next level. And it kind of was just a reminder that we need a mixture of both. And don't just take it easy or don't just go hard. It really is a mixture of both. So you like running, but you're feeling pain or irritation. You can't enjoy it like you once did. Or worse, your performance has taken a big hit. Now you're reminiscing on the good times where the wind blew past your ears. Nature looked lovely as you passed it. What are you waiting for? Go and visit a specialist at Health and High Performance. With the latest in technology and a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can help you with all your running injury and performance needs. Let's get you back to doing something you love with the results you're capable of. Head over to healthhp.com.au slash run, or you can find them on Instagram at Health High Performance. Health and High Performance are located in Mount Albert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. So contact them now on their website to find out more. Hello and welcome back to Coaches Q&A on the Peak Endurance Podcast. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Welcome, Isabel. I was going to say, you're going to welcome me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody ever welcomes me. So here we are again. Um, once again, I posted on Facebook asking for some questions and we actually got quite a lot this time. So <clears throat> I'm sorry, we won't get through all of them. Um, and um, some require a little bit of extra research on my behalf which I will get to at some point. Um, but um, I, we will do another one of these in, in about two weeks where we answer the rest of the questions. But please keep um, asking questions because I'll just add them to the list. All right, Ron, you have the list of questions that I have copied yep. and pasted off Facebook. Would you like to um, start us off? All right, here comes the first one. Um, Someone has asked, I'm currently training for a 100K event in February. Training's going well with long runs up to 50 kilometres. I haven't run a 100K event since completing CDR. Uh, Canadian death race. Okay, in 2018 and feeling a bit psyched out by the distance. Any tips for managing the brain game? That's a, such a good question. And I, I feel like um, there's so much we can talk about there. And, and what you can gather from his question, because I, you know, obviously I know who it is. Can I say who it is? Yeah. It's Robbie Wickham. And we both ran the start of the CDR together. Um, I think was it CDR did we? Well, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, we both did that race um, in 2018. And he's his training's going well. And he's done a 50k run because and um to be honest, for most 100K races, I wouldn't go over a 50K long run. You don't need to go more than that. You're just exhausting yourself. So his training is in the bag. What the issue is, is the mental aspect, which is what, um, not that I'm trying to advertise, but that is why I have the, um, you know, the one-on-one -on -one, um, mindset coaching, because I know you can be as physically fit as anything, but unless the mindset is 100%, you will not race to your potential. So managing the brain game. So what, what you need to do is, is, is think about what is it specifically that is the issue for you here? Like, is it that um, you're not going to be able to complete the distance or that it's going to take you forever or um, that the track 
the trail is too tough for you. Either way, what you need to do is rehearse or visualize or go over in your mind what's going to happen if that crops up for you. If you feel like you're not going to finish, what are some things you can say to yourself? What things can you look back on? Well, I've done a 50K run. I've done 100Ks before and I've felt this way before and I've, I've pushed through. So you need to do a lot of visualizations, a lot of um, I like to write it out because when we write things out, it um, has a great impact and sticks on our psyche and um, in our memory longer. You write out what you're going to do when those situations arise, when those feelings arise. So that when it happens, A, through the visualizations, you've, you've gone through it before because visualizing and, and closing your eyes and really going through it and, and not seeing yourself like watching yourself, but feeling it, feeling it, what it's like there, smelling the smells, feeling, hearing, seeing everything, using all your senses in this visualization and feel the feelings that you're going to feel. So when it does happen in the race, you go, well, I felt this before and this is what I'm going to do. And your brain kind of goes, oh, yeah, I've been here before and falls back to what you've trained yourself to be your response to that. And once again, writing it down, reading through it. And it's not catastrophizing by imagining these things. It's seeing what's the worst thing and then having a plan. Mm -hmm. Because as we always say, failing to plan is planning to fail. So you have a plan for when those difficult situations arise. Then again, I mean, I mean, because I don't know specifically what Robbie's issue is, and I probably should have asked him that um, within the brain game. Is it that he's, because he's got the training in the bag, but is he lacking motivation for the training? And when we're, if we're lacking motivation for the training, um, even though we kind of, we can do it and go through the motions, then you, that's when you really need to drill down and find your why. Um and work out why you're doing this. So you can think about that when you're doing your training. You were going to say something. Yes, yeah, so I was. I was. Um, I, I was just curious as to, you know, whether he was feeling a bit psyched out by the distance during training or a bit mm. psyched out by the distance of the 100K. So you mean the distance of the training run Yeah, themselves. that's right. Doing, you know, backing up and going, oh, geez, I've got another 50K run to do this. Yeah, week. well, and that's when you need to think about what your why is and why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And to be honest, um, in in a, in a standard 100K um, uh, preparation, I would not do more than one max two 50K runs. So for 100Ks, and we'll get into this a bit more, actually we'll leave it till then because we've got some questions about training mm -hmm. for 100K, but max two 50K runs, one's enough. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't, yes, all training is tiring and it's hard work and, you know, it's hard to be motivated all the time. Yep. Um, but it's developing that ability to push through that and knowing in the race, I might not be feeling motivated and I might not be feeling 100%, but this is training my body to keep going even when I'm, I don't really feel like it or I'm tired. That's mm -hmm. not to say to push through injuries or um, like adrenal fatigue kind of exhaustion, but to push yourself when you know you're just like, oh, I'd just rather sit on the couch, you know, Yeah. whatever. I Any think, other thoughts? Yeah, I think another thing that you just hit on slightly there was a mantra. Um, mm -hmm. You know, during the run, a mantra, a mantra that you can keep repeating to yourself, which is one of the things I noticed you had when you were doing your big run recently. You had a mantra. Did I? I can't remember. Yes, it was. It was. Um, oh, that's right. I did. Remember um, tomorrow. Remember tomorrow. Remember tomorrow. Yes. So my mantra, yes, I read um, Jesse Itzler's uh, Living with the Monks. And this is something I'd always thought of, but I'd never had it in a two-word mantra. And a two- to three-word mantra is the best. 
Um, and what he talked about was wanting to do something and, and, and when you're doing it, then wanting to quit. Mm. But remembering tomorrow, you will regret that you have quit. So you've got to remind yourself about tomorrow. And um, I've always thought about it, but normally I think about it in like three or four sentences and it's really hard and complicated. And when you're a bit delirious from running far, you forget and you just go, oh, stuff it. I'm just going to, you know, this is all too hard. But for me, um, when I really, in that 251K round, when I really was in so much, so much pain, um, I just kept telling myself, remember tomorrow. And I knew by tomorrow, the pain would be finished. Mm-hmm. The pain would be gone. All I'd be left with is that bitter taste of regret so yeah that's that's a really good point is you know ultimately that you want to do this you wouldn't be training for it if you didn't want to do it you wouldn't have paid all that money you wouldn't have bought all the gear you wouldn't have signed up um so you want to do it it just sometimes it feels like you don't want to but Mm -hmm. remember tomorrow remember how you would feel if you gave up remember how you would feel if you didn't give it the 100%, when I say 100%, I don't mean absolutely killing yourself. I mean 100% of your best effort. So your best effort, whatever that is, because everybody's best effort is different, but 100% of your best effort. So remember tomorrow, remember how you will feel if you don't do this. Because ultimately, Robbie, you, you're choosing to do this because you want to do it. So just remember that, that you actually do want to do that and, and find out, think about why you want to do it. And it doesn't have to be a huge mongous why of, this deeply meaningful why for me a lot of the time it's um just to 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 do the challenge and and another thing from the jesse it's the books was was he talked about doing all these challenges to have a really awesome life resume so you can look back on your life resume and go wow look at all the things i've done how fantastic is that how awesome am i not in a big-headed way but how cool is it that i did these things when so many people can't or won't, and and how cool is that? And I'm pretty sure that you will be absolutely fine in this 100K and you will smash it and you'll be like, oh, what was I so worried about, which is what we often think afterwards. Hmm. But um, don't let that, that brain game, as you call it, get to you and ruin your race because that's such a pity, especially when you're in good physical condition. And, and that's why we say ultra running is 90% mental and the rest is in your head because it is, it truly is. Put two equally fit people next to each other and one person who hasn't got their head sorted out and the, the person with their head sorted out will not win. They could be even more fit than the other person, but they won't go as well. When I say win, I mean, you know, out of those two people. Mm. Do you have, have I maybe touched, not touched? Because sometimes, Ron, you see my mental perspective from a different perspective because I'm living it when I'm running it and I don't necessarily see what I'm doing. Are there any other thoughts yeah. that you might have or from your own racing perspective? Uh, well, no, my, my racing perspective is probably not the best because I, I always went into the, I fell into that very bad category of go as long, hard as you can for as long as you can and then crawl across the line, mm. which, is, which is not always very successful. Yeah. And it's not very rarely <laughs> it's successful. not advisable. So yeah, I'm I'm probably not the best person to um, no, but it was it's more not your like strategy, that. but what did you do, like leading up to races when you were you ever feeling daunted by the distance, like the first time you did 100k? Because um, although this isn't Robbie's first, it's a yeah. first for a while, so it's kind of feels like the first. Yeah, I, I I was slightly daunted. I had done you know some you know my before my first hundred, I've done some um, 
slightly bigger runs like 80k runs um not in not you know in the weeks before but you know in the yeah. months before um so i wasn't really too worried about the distance i, I was really I was really worried about my um, body not being. And sorry, what was your longest run for it? Before that, yeah, uh, it was an eighty, but not. It wasn't oh, that a, was a race. It yeah. wasn't. No, no, it wasn't a race. It was just a. a um, oh, that was yeah, yeah, that, that run, run with friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was I was mostly concerned about my my body breaking down. And maybe that's what Robbie's problem yeah. issue is. I know he's been struggling with a couple of injuries. Mm. So that could be that too. Yeah. Once again, if it is an injury issue that you're worrying about, your body not holding up, just make sure that you go see whoever you see, your therapist, and get them to take the heck out of you. That's right. And um, just to hold you all together, make sure you're doing all the right things, rolling, massage, stretching, you know, all that sort of stuff, proper warm-ups, all that sort of stuff, really well hydrated, go into it with quality nutrition, well hydrated. I mean, I know that's not the complete answer, but if you get your body into the best physical condition then that you possibly can, then hopefully those injuries won't play as yeah. big a role. Just whatever you do, don't be taking anti-inflammatories mm, yeah. and ibuprofen. Yeah. yeah, anything else we could perhaps touch on or uh, you think we're, we're done with I that one? I think we're all right. We're ready to move on. Yep. Um, have you ever trained at high altitude and did you find out if it was different from training at low altitude? Okay, so I have trained at high altitude. I used to train at what I forgot what it's called, Melbourne Train Altitude Centre. Um, and um, that was awesome. I feel plus, you know, when you're in, in Canada, you yeah. did a lot of runs in rocks. Yeah, well, well, in Canada we were where I Calgary is at one around one thousand meters, right? which is, you know, it's not. But you think about it. People go to Falls Creek to train at yeah. altitude. It's not much higher than that, right? Yeah, 1,700? Yeah. Yeah, that's not much. And I'd be regularly going up mountains up there to two and a half, three thousand metres. That, that's more what I was talking yeah. about, yeah. But I personally don't feel altitude. Mm -hmm. Like when I first arrived in Calgary, people were like, oh, how does it feel with the altitude? And I'm like, oh, I can't feel it. When I go up high, I don't feel it. When I was training in that altitude center for two, three hours at a time, and I never felt worse because of it. And we were, you know, quite high, over 3,000 meters sometimes, um, and I couldn't feel it. Mm -hmm. So I'm perhaps not the best person to ask. But in saying that, it should have a lot of positive effects. And, and really, what is probably, if you possibly can, is to, um, because it can make you, um, make it the effort feel harder for, for people who you know uh, mm -hmm. who struggle with altitude so what they say is sleep at altitude sleep high train low so you sleep at altitude to get all the positive benefits on your blood and all that sort of stuff but then you train low where you can maintain your normal paces yep. so um that could involve if you're lucky enough to live somewhere like that or to um have an altitude tent if you're rich as anything and if your partner can cope with it if you've got a partner um mm -hmm. you know if you're single you'll probably stay that way if you've got an altitude tent <laughs> <laughs> right. um and um you also have to keep in mind when you train at high altitude training at high altitude um burns more carbohydrates which is also what leads to the low energy feel <clears throat> so you need to consume more carbohydrates especially if you're racing at altitude you will need to eat more and 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 that 
So that's something yeah. to keep in mind as well. But um, yeah, like I must be some sort of, I adapted to it or something because mm-hmm. I honestly do not feel it. I haven't been at a high enough altitude to feel it. Yeah, I personally. mean, from what I've heard, um, in here in Australia, you know, unless you're doing the at the companies that offer it, um, we don't really have the high altitude no. but training bases, even no. you know, Mount Buller, Mount Falls oh, Mount Buller, definitely not. But people, um, when they say they're going to, to falls to train at altitude, to be perfectly honest, that's that's not altitude, yeah. that's not the altitude that is going to make a yeah. big diff or any really any difference. Yeah. Um, it's just fun to train in the mountains. Yeah, that's right. You, um, you go there for the training, not for yeah, the altitude. Yeah, and you, yes, you might improve. And certainly one week training at altitude is not going to make a huge difference. When I trained at altitude, that was for training for Barclay 2019. And I was um, going in once to twice a week for three months leading up to the race. Um, did it make a difference? I don't know. But I think it's worth trying different things. Mm-hmm you know, because the body plateaus if you keep doing the same, which we'll hit on with another potential question if we get to it. Um, So it's good to try different things Mm -hmm. and and to mix it up a bit each training cycle, just something different. And, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. you know. I can say training at altitude is good because it generally takes you into the mountains. That's right, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. That's right. So, um, but, yeah, personally, I didn't feel it going up the mountains, but, Mm -hmm. geez, the mountains are fun. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, next question. What is the correlation between races starting up again and injury? Okay. So <laughs> this comes from Jane who didn't change her training. She just got injured because races started again. So psychological or biological, who knows, physiological. Um, you know, I think to a certain extent it is a little bit psychological because you think about what happens in a taper. Oh, my God, my knee hurts, my back hurts, my this hurts, I've suddenly caught COVID, no doubt, because I'm coughing and spluttering and, you know, it, it, everything. You, mm-hmm. you seem to suddenly go, oh, my God, and you become a germaphobe. And certainly when I was teaching a lot, you know, before a race, they I had like this special bubble around me so the kids couldn't come within, you know, a metre of me or I tried yeah. and didn't work. Um, and it's the same with injury. Like, is it because, you know, I don't know the mm. correlation, who knows? And, and I know because I coach her, it's not because she got all excited and upped her training. Yeah. That's why I'm saying in this case, it could be psychological yeah. for other people who are perhaps not being coached. Yes. It could be physiological because they'll go, Oh my God, race is coming. <gasps> I haven't been training for three months. Crap. I better start doing all of my speed, all this, all bang, bang, bang. And they push their bodies too hard, too fast, too soon, too much. And, and what they, do you know? They're injured. They sign up for a race every second week and, yeah, and, and every run se- hard. That's right. I've missed out on all the races, so I'm going to do all the races from 2020 and 2021 in the next two months. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And as much as we would love to do that, well, they personally not may I'd find it too stressful, <laughs> your body finds it stressful. Yeah. And um, your body just, it's, you know, I don't care, you know, oh, young people can get away with it. Yes and no, because a body is a body and, and there's, it does have, all bodies have a limit, yeah. whether you're young or, you know, less young like me. <laughs> I'm just less young. Less young, that's right. <laughs> yep. Wiser. Yeah, and hence, it. don't yes. do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Not that that's being silly, but it's just, yeah, I get it when you're keen. But yes. Yeah. Just because all the races have come back doesn't mean you suddenly got to up your training by 150%. But that's how I used to train. Yeah, but you still have to build back up. Maybe yeah. not at 10% a week, maybe a little bit more, but let's be smart about this. You mm-hmm. want to be able to get to the races now that they're back. Yep. Excellent. 
Okay, uh, what would be the difference in a training program for a 100K versus a 100 mile race and then possibly a 50K race? Okay, now we did kind of talk about this, I'm pretty sure, last time, but we'll go over it again. Right, a 50K race, basically you can do marathon training for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, your marathon training, you're probably your longest run is 38K. Even that's fine for a 50K. Yep. Ultimately, you can maybe go up to 40, but really, nah, 38 is fine. That's fine. And I would, for a 50K, I would train exactly the same for a marathon. If it's a hilly 50K, I would do my long runs in the hills because mm -hmm. then, you know, my 38Ks in the hills will take longer than my 38K on the road, yep. just like a marathon on the road compared to a 50K in the hills. Um, but I would do very similar speed work. If it was in the hills, I'd possibly add in some, doing some of my speed work on the hills, okay, which is good for leg strength. Mm -hmm. 100K versus 100 mile. Now, 100K, 100Ks are being run so much faster these days that, to be perfectly honest, I you could still do marathon training for 100K, just your long run would max out at 50K. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, once again, similar sort of speed work. Uh, you need a similar kind of speed energy systems for 100K. So, you know, your, your general speed interval sessions. I mean, I wouldn't be doing 200s and 400s, maybe at the beginning of the cycle um, when you're, you know, just reintroducing speed work, but you would build up to more sort of VO2 length, three, three minutes or so, mm -hmm. and also tempo runs, you know, holding that sustained pace for a bit longer. 100 mile, I would still start off with, with shorter speed work. I think it's good to work all your engines and have that capacity that, you know, if you need to sprint past someone or need to sprint over an obstacle or something, you know, you've got that capacity in your legs. And I would yeah. touch on it occasionally throughout the training program. But 100 miles, you're probably looking more at more tempo-ish style runs and steady state runs, but for longer periods of time. And if it's over um, hilly terrain, I would do some of those over rolling terrain where you're not looking... Uh, at the pace per se, you're not saying I've got to stick to this pace because that's really hard to do over rolling terrain, yeah. but looking at effort. Mm -hmm. and, and even heart rate, I find that hard to look at because your wrist heart rate monitor is incredibly unreliable. Even chest strap is relatively unreliable. And also I think you should know your body well enough that you know sort of that steady state tempo effort. Yeah. Um, and, and for a hundred mile race, your long run, it's not that much longer probably 60 to 70 Ks. Because once again, doing an 80 K run, it takes far too long to, to recover from. And it's really, it, there's no point. If you can do 60 to 70 Ks and maybe yeah. do then the next day, you know, a 20 to 30 K run, that's plenty, mm -hmm. you know, running the next day on tired legs and there's no way you've fully refueled. Yeah. So you're probably a little bit low on carbs. Um, but I still believe all distances of races, you need to do quality sessions of a variety of distances and, and you know, effort levels. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where a coach is really important because a, a coach worth their salt should know how to progress that, how to periodize that to mm -hmm. get you to your peak um, at the, the time of the race. Yep. So what, what, one of the things, what you're essentially saying is that you need to be able to train consistently. So yes. if you're if you're going to knock out an 80 plus K run one day, yeah. then the next day and, and possibly the next couple of days, training's either going to go out the window completely yeah. or it's just not going to be great. You're That's right. And, and, and the, the greatest measure of how well you're going to go in a race is how consistent you've been. Yeah. 
and and when you look at your Strava line, it shouldn't be up and down like yeah. a heartbeat. It should be quite stable. Little dips for your little rest weeks, but not not too big a dip. And maybe your maximum week where you did your max Ks, you yep. know, a couple up there. But in general, it should stay sort of similar. Consistency is the key to performance and to uh, reducing the incidence of injury. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and also let me add that for a 100-mile race, depending on the terrain and regardless of the terrain, I would also train walking, like, you know, walking fast up hills and, you know, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, practice your hiking because there will come a point in that 100-mile race where you will probably need to walk. I, I hazard a guess nearly everyone will need to walk, even if it is just when you're eating and knowing how to walk fast when eating, because you can't run and eat per se mm-hmm. if you're eating solid foods. But, you know, walking and eating and, and just train that. Yep. Can't do it on race day if you haven't trained it. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, nutrition. Um, when and how, basically. Mm. Um you know the difference. What sort of what, what are the differences in nutrition between you know a twenty one or a forty two or a hundred? Okay, so twenty one to forty two versus a hundred is a huge difference. Yeah, and certainly versus a hundred mile twenty one k gels, marathon gels. No, it depends. Do you want to go fast or not go fast? If you want to go fast, you need to be having a gel every twenty to thirty minutes. Now I know that sounds like a lot, but when I ran my sub three marathon and was training for that and, and running marathons around the three-hour mark, a gel every 20 minutes without fail, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because when you're running faster, you're burning more carbs. And the race is not the time to go on a diet. Yeah. Okay? That, yeah. That's, you're not dieting then. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I can't have too many calories. Well, that's not your focus right then yeah. and there. Mm-hmm. Put in calories and you will be amazed at the results. Yep. I know gels are foul, well, not foul, the spring energy ones are delicious. Yeah. But in general, it's not what you want to be eating as a, you know, but we're not here for a picnic, as I always say. Um, the, the half, you maybe don't need quite as many gels as that, but the marathon definitely. Um, and, um, you know, you, you don't need more than that, but you would you need to have a swig of water with, all, with that every... Um, time you have a gel because you need to be able to digest it and it is a lot on carb load um and also that sickly sweet taste in your mouth um 100k um the first time i did 100k and i I did quite well i only had gels Mm -hmm. um and um some sports drink and that sort of stuff and i had quite a few i was sticking to that 30 minute mark as well and you know Although towards the end, I think I may have, you know, slackened off. Um, But, you know, you need carbs. When you are running, you need carbs. I don't care if you're on a low-carb diet the rest of the time. When you're racing, you need carbs if you want to race fast. If you are happy to go slower, you don't need carbs. I know some people will say you don't need carbs. You can burn fat in a race. But if you want to race fast, you don't want to be burning fat. You want to be burning carbs. Um, 100K. You could possibly get into solid foods, but I don't think you, like, it doesn't go for long enough. It depends how fast you're running it. If you're run, if you're going to take, you know, more than 12 hours, then I would suggest you will start to need some solid foods because there's nothing worse than that empty feeling in your mm-hmm. stomach. Um, even though you're getting enough calories with gels, it doesn't fill your stomach. Yeah. Um, so 
and to be honest, I can't really remember what I did the first 100Ks, but I'm pretty sure I only used gel because I didn't have a clue what I was doing back then. Yeah, for my for my first 100, I, I had a honey sandwich halfway through. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. so, so basically, bread, carbs, honey, yeah. carbs. Mm. So there we go. Mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, or lollies. I know uh, the back end of a, a 100K race, I might have some lollies because then I don't have to eat it per se. I can just shove it in the side of my mouth and just sort of suck on it. And, you know, that's giving me sugar. Um, but once you get into the 100 mile distance, you are definitely going to start needing, especially on the trails where you're out there for longer, you're definitely going to start needing solid food. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need, you know, two to 300 calories an hour. Mm. Okay. Um, I used to aim for three to 400 but that's just too much. And it would be great. I mean, that would be optimum if you could get that much. But two to 300 calories an hour and then supplementing with um, electrolytes or water. And the electrolytes, in my mind, you separate food from nutri- uh, food from hydration, okay? So nutrition and hydration are separate. If your nutrition is in your hydration, you don't know how many calories an hour you are getting, Okay. And if you're not thirsty, then you're really screwed. Yeah. But with, with your nutrition separate, you know exactly by the side, you know, that gel packet, that that's wrapper, yeah. that, you know, I know exactly. Hydration, then I know I've drunk a liter, but, you know, then I don't have to guess what osmolality it's at, you know, what, what strength I've made it. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, you know, it, it's just so much harder to keep a track of when you've got them mixed. Yep. So keep them separate. Every time you eat, have a good mouthful of water or um, electrolytes um, or sometimes I'll have a sip of each, you know, I'll have food, yeah. a sip of electrolyte and then some water just to get rid of all that sick taste or not sick, sweet. sickly sweet, yeah, sweet taste yeah. in my mouth yep. to sort of leave my mouth a little bit fresher, a little bit cleaner. Um, but certainly in the longer distance, early and often, whereas in a marathon, I would have more timed it and a half marathon every 20 to 30 minutes religiously. Um <clears throat> And um, even, you know, 20 minutes from the end because I, you want to keep pushing yep. right to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and But the 100K, you know, early and often sip and nibble, sip and nibble, sip and nibble yep. because then you're just not getting a huge bolus in your stomach and which will hurt and weigh you down and possibly and cause a, gastric distress. Yeah, and quite often come straight back up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. You know, and and once again, with all of this, you need to train it. Mm, Okay, now Pam Mustin gave me a good tip uh, once when I interviewed her. You can look back into earlier episodes. And because it's so hard to train your gut for your, you know, your 100-mile race or 100K race, who knows what you're going to feel like at the end. What she would do is she would practice the food before doing like a, a hard 5K run. So her body would know what it feels like when it's really working hard and really exhausted when consuming the food. She didn't need the food for the 5K run or the gel or whatever. That's not the point. The point is training it for that. Right. Okay. Training the gut to take in that stuff when you're about to work really hard. So um, that's something to consider as well. And thank you, Pam, for that. Awesome so do, by that, do you mean she would eat it and then do her run? Yeah, or, she or would try and eat it mid-run? Or I'm not 100% sure, and yeah. I'll have to ask Pam. But from what I understand, she tried both. Okay. But I, that yeah. could just be my memory wanting to remember that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not 100% sure. Time, uh, now, we were meant to remember what time we started this at. Started, did you look at it yep, at the time? I did. What time is it? It was 5.45. Okay, so we've been going half an hour. We have. 
So we'll just go a little bit longer because it is dinner time coming up. Yeah. Speaking of food. Yeah. Um, yeah, why not? Let's yeah. go with the funny yeah. one to end. So someone has asked. And we all know who this is because he always makes a funny comment mm. for everything. And what? I'm talking about you, Steve. <laughs> why can't I have beer in my hydration bladder without it foaming up? Because you're not drinking it fast enough. Okay? That's my answer. That's right. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, one? my thoughts is that um, if you if you have um, if you let all the air out of your bladder, mm -hmm. then it won't Which foam you up. Do. It won't foam up. But, it won't as, foam but up? as soon as it hits your mouth, yeah. it's going your stomach. It's going to foam up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no matter what you do, it might not foam up in your bladder, but it will foam up in your mouth. So you'd be running along like a rabid dog. All right, so Steve, what I want you to do is, is to try that and, in training and, and film, film it. it. Yes. And, and send it in and we will um, post it because uh, I want to see that. Yeah. But um, in saying that, you know, and I've tell, I tell this story a lot, um, but when I was in Canada, I was at Moose Mountain Races and I was on an aid station and one of the guys um, at the aid station, Leo, had his cask, not bottle, cask of fireball there. Um, and a guy came in with his Solomon little hand, or Solomon soft flask, and he filled it up with fireball and ran off into the wild with his uh, soft flask of, of fireball. And I was never, in awe. Never to be seen again. Never to be seen again because <laughs> he was probably drunk, lost, <laughs> and deliriously sick. Yeah. So, um, I, I, Steve, the um, challenge has been laid down. You need to try what ron has said i've said drink it fast you can try that one and film yeah. it and see what happens yeah. the other one is suck all the air right as everyone should always do because there's nothing worse than hearing someone's um ladder swapping around with all that water yeah. um it's like hearing someone's keys jingling uh suck all the air out and then see what happens and we need film footage of both of course i've never run with beer in my bladder so i could be wrong it might actually expand so much it explodes that's either actually way, what I thought you were going to say yeah. was going to happen. I thought it would just expand and explode. Either way, it'll, it'll make, make a funny an interesting video. video. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so that's that's your challenge. Now, we do have a few more questions. Don't worry. We, we are going to get going now. Um, we've got one, two, three, four more good, really good questions that take um, will take a bit of detail. Um, and we will do that in probably another week and a bit and put that out so thank you for all your questions i really appreciate it and um i hope these have helped um you with your training even if it's not you who asked the questions i really hope it's helped you with with your training because i'm sure everyone has these concerns we're, we're all wondering why the beer foams you know yeah absolutely yeah. That's, that's a very very interesting question it is it's intriguing so, so when i i mean when i first started running and I did my first marathon and and then first ultras I had no idea about all this sort of stuff yeah I, I for my first marathon I literally um just drank water from the aid station yeah. every you know couple of k's didn't eat you know didn't think anything about nutrition yeah. and blew up completely well for my first ever race that I did it was like an 8k at Lilydale Lake I thought oh I really need to fuel up well. So I had a huge bowl of porridge, huge. Yeah. And then I went and ran the race and I needed to vomit the entire way. Yeah. So, you know, we've all made mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
you know, and, and most people, when they start running, we just, we don't know. You run. Isn't that yeah. what you do? You just run. That's it. But there, it's such a nuanced sport. There is so much more than that. I personally um, went and saw a dietitian, and she wrote out a whole plan for me that I basically still follow. Um, I've, you know, tweaked it because I'm actually getting my certificate for in nutrition, so I will soon be able to um, write those sorts of plans for people. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I think when you're not sure, you should go see a nutritionist or a dietitian and get a proper plan from someone who is educated in this and who really knows their stuff. And um, I, I mean, I personally just love anything to do with nutrition and find it fascinating, but it makes such a difference, not only to your race, but to your recovery. So that's right. Yeah. And not just the, the outcome of the race, but the enjoyment of the yes. race, because there's nothing worse than oh God. that death march. You know, With a sore stomach. Yeah. And, I mean, I've had all, uh, yeah, all of those issues, you know, in the past before I saw mm. the dietitian. And I just think it makes such a difference. And, you know, yeah, and just in general day-to-day -day energy levels for your training. Yeah. You know, so um, just remember, a race is not the time to diet, but by the same token, it's not a picnic out there. And it's not a time to try new things. Definitely not. No. Hmm. I learned that once trying a brownie in a race. Not good. Especially, well, especially when those, it was a hash brownie. Not the best time to try that. No, no, no probably not. Yeah, definitely don't try new things on, on race day because yeah. you'll come unglued very yeah. quickly. Yeah. And, you know, everyone knows that, but we still do it. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, I hadn't had uh, butter chicken in a run before. but Yeah, well, that didn't hold you back. No, that, that was awesome. didn't hold you back, yeah. But, that, yeah, but you can get away with that in longer runs, not yeah. in short races. In short yeah. races, you can. Anyway, we've started waffling. Yes. It's your <laughs> fault. I blame you. <laughs> Actually, I blame Steve. As yes. soon as I started talking about alcohol, I got even happier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks for your questions, as we have said. And we will... Um, do this again in a week or so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, see you later. Have a great week. Bye. I really hope you got value from that episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend, either on social media or just directly to them. But if you do share it on socials, don't forget to tag me so I can thank you. And don't forget to follow the pod on Insta or Facebook. Also, if you have an interesting story to share, email me isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and you might end up being on the podcast. Have a great week of running and training and have fun out there on the roads and trails.